We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Welcome to the Success with Sabrina podcast, sponsored by Time Strategic Consulting Group. Hear from successful businessmen and businesswomen and how they became successful, sharing tips and techniques with you to foster change and build success with ease and flow, helping you overcome your toughest trials and biggest challenges to finally go for it and make money and create the epic life that you deserve. To get more information about our consulting, public speaking, and business success membership club, go to www.timestrategic.com. Welcome to Success with Sabrina, part two of this two-session conversation with Roger Salon. Roger is an award-winning inspirational speaker, best-selling author, and global mastermind leader. Interviewing him was a treat for me, and I am so happy to share with all of you. Um, so you touched a little bit about, um, also not just about doing JV your deals yourself, but also connecting people, which would be almost like be becoming a JV broker, right? There's a whole category called joint venture broker, and that's become a profession now. And there, I have another uh, good friend. He does seminars. I don't do that. I do joint ventures, and he teaches the whole joint venture as a business opportunity. So when I am look, looking for, I have so many people in my uh, you know, things, I need a joint venture manager. Then, so I call him and say, hey, who do you have that wants to? And then you go, I've got a, a whole bunch of people that can be a JV broker for you. So that all these people that they, uh, they also need help in facilitating and actually bring it to completion. So joint venture broker can play that role. Mm -hmm. He would be doing all of the recruiting of the JV partners and the negotiations and everything. Listen, so that yeah. takes time. And, but first, you need to get rid of all the old myths and limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And what is the typical... now? Getting down to the nitty and gritty for the people that are like wondering um, if what what would be a typical percentage per sale of a JV deal? So because of the number of joint ventures deals that we've done, it's almost like an unwritten um, law or understanding. I'm not, sorry, not law, understanding is that whenever we're doing a JV and we're selling a product or an online course, basically anything that does not require my time 
So, or the person that I'm promoting, that his or her time. It's an online course. The course is already created. The you know stuff is the product is already manufactured. Those are typically a 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. So, but when I'm doing something, doing a JV on, uh, if it's my consulting or if it's a an event where I'm doing all the work, my time is involved. For example, my mastermind at C. So I have people that join venture with me on those. So those are typically, and those are especially higher ticket items, and those are less. But percentage-wise, dollar volume-wise, they become more. For example, typical joint venture products on a webinar is, on average, if I were to take all these I do, is somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000. It's That's a product price or the service that we're selling. And the, and the other thing is that when you do a 50-50 split, you want to think that you're to make money for your joint venture partner, they want to make at least $500 a deal. So that it's other, if it's anything less than that, it's not as exciting. Right. So if you have 10 sales and you do $500 and you do $1,000, that's $10,000, they'll make $5,000. So if you are, if you can make $1,000, that's even better. So if you sell for you know, 10 something of units, say $20,000, then we each make $10,000. But when I'm doing my mastermind at C, let's say that's a $15,000 per person event. So they get somewhere negotiated between 10 and 20%, depending on which event and if I'm doing any discount or not. So let's take the uh, rounded number, $10,000. And the commission is 20%, not 50%. Mm -hmm. But 20%, you're making $2,000 instead of $1,000. So the dollar volume, when the price is high, the commission percentage is lower, but it could potentially make you more money if the product is high. But those are, uh, the audience has to be the right match. Right. right and, match. And, and that income that you weren't even planning on having anyways, if it wasn't for this relationship. With, with this person, right? That's, so that's, that's the beauty of the JP is that you can leverage so much of your time and efforts and um, and really, and also it sets you free to be who you are and do what you love and not have to specialize in so many other things. You know, let the other people do what they're doing uh, that they're passionate about and you focus on what you love. And then when you want to tap into that tribe, um, you just got to have something that's somewhat compatible to what they want and need, uh, but you don't necessarily have to specialize in all of those things at the same time. So that's really the beauty of it. Um, what are the tips for finding the right JV partners? I mean, you mentioned seminars. Is there any other uh, tips that we should be thinking of when being the lookout for the right JV partners? The right JV partner, uh, our first way to think about is that who it's basically you're you're looking who has the kind of fish that you want to fish for. <laughs> I, I love your your examples, Roger. They're always so amazing. Love it. Yes. <laughs> you you want to go you, you know this kind of fishing, and then who has those kind of fish? So you if, if I'm a real estate you know investor, real estate uh, educator, and then easiest way for me is to find other real estate gurus 
who's doing real estate, but not doing my portion of it. Mm-hmm. So this, it's complements instead of become competitive. Now, me personally, I don't even care about the competition because even if I'm doing wholesaling and you're doing wholesaling, if, if those who wants to master wholesaling, they will go to more than one center. Because you have a different twist, I'll have a different twist. So I, I don't care. I will bring them on. It's I'm introducing them to another person. So find out who has the same tribe that you're looking for. So if your ideal customers, for example, right now for for my real estate is all we found out through surveys and through um, our turnkey program. This time is I'm not teaching anyone how to do real estate. I'm just doing turnkey, hassle-free, completely passive portfolio. For that particular one, my ideal prospect uh, are doctors. The doctors, dentists, basically healthcare professionals. So this is a a real example that I'm giving you that I was in uh, California in December and I was at a Christmas party and met this guy. We've become absolutely best buddies because we just, we did not talk anything business the first night at the Christmas party. And this is quote unquote, he goes, man, I wasn't thinking of coming to this party because, and me personally, I drove two and a half hours from LA to Irvine to attend that. Ah, should I really go in this LA traffic, man, four or five? I got there and we both looked at each other and said, you know, I'm so glad I came. Just, I'm nothing else, just you. And we met, and that was the feeling. And then said, hey, let's meet for lunch. I'm yeah. here for another two days. And we met for lunch. And when, when lunchtime, we started talking more about what is it that you do. Christmas party was just having fun, having yeah. fun about everything but business. Lunchtime, we talked about business. And I said, oh my God. What I found out that he was into biohacking his tribes are doctors and healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, and my, um, I have the back end, the kind of commission and our marketing fee, brand representative fee, things that I can pay him. And he looked at me and goes, my God. They, because our initial investment is $120,000 and he sells tickets that are in the hundreds of dollars. So this is a lot more. So he can make more money and I said, if we just do, if I come and do present to you, he realized that the back-end residual income I can create for him could be more than what he was making. And then now I'm, I will be at all of his events, starting with the January 29th. I'm flying to Irvine. That's his first event. Then he's going to do, we're going to do a joint event in Utah and, and, and LA. So because his tribes are doctors, and I was looking at how to find somebody who has doctored tribes. So now I can go look at, uh, there are a whole bunch of things and I, I was brainstorming with my team and we came up with a whole bunch of ways to reach doctors. Mm-hmm. Where are the doctors congregating? Mm-hmm. The doctors' conventions. So can we take a sponsorship a booth over there? So reaching over there and that sponsorship, I can either pay them or if they're open to it, I can do a joint venture. That How about I make you more money if you... Uh, so the joint venture part is that I don't have to pay anything up front. Let's share the revenue. First, in order to do this, you have to define who your ideal 
customers are. And I'm not exaggerating, uh, Sabrina, that we spent about $12,500. We hired a survey company. This is the same company that does surveys for Coca-Cola and Fortune 500 companies. And they wanted uh, 25,000 to be negotiated. Uh, we're a small company, we're not Coca-Cola. And we gave them that, hey, I want you to survey people that must have minimum $100,000 in liquid assets or you know, disposable that they can implement. So they found those people and asked them that would you invest in turnkey real estate passive income opportunity to grow your capital at 8 to 12%. So they, we gave questions and all the different kinds of people that they asked, almost 70% of the people that they say yes were doctors and healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. So now we know we're targeting healthcare professionals for all kinds of joint ventures or if you have money, then you can just go. And I love, I love that you shared that, Roger, because a lot of times, sometimes people, they're trying to niche themselves and their businesses, and they have no clue how to figure it out who to target. And so they just, you know, they look at a profession, they say, oh, I kind of like that. So I'm just going to go with that, right? But in your case, it just exemplifies that. Um, the question is a lot deeper than that. And you really have to do your split testing, your due diligence to really define it's not so much what you like, but really who are the people that want what you have to offer. Otherwise, it's really like not going to happen at all. So I really love that you mentioned that. And we touched on this, um, you know, how to find this. So I love that you shared that. So if there was a formula for a JV proposal, should it be long, short? Um, how how do you go about making a proposal? What, what I do is that depends on the strength of the relationship. The strength of the relationship is that most of the joint ventures that I do, even this one that I just gave you an example of, that what, what I did is I always put it in writing, and but I did not go to my attorney. Because I've, number one, I've done, I call it MOU, Memorandum of Understanding. So, which can be very simple. And in that, what you write down, and there, if, if that, hey, we're not responsible for each other's, uh, um, cannot represent each other, which is for this one particular product, product, this real, this is, this joint venture is about this particular product, my turnkey real estate investment uh, building portfolio. So we define the product. Second, we write down what are the roles and responsibilities for what did, what did you commit to do and what did I commit to do? And third, how are we going to uh, split the revenue? When will the revenue be paid? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do I have the right to, uh, if, you, if I don't get paid, do I have the right to go and re- review the books? So this, I, and I just put it in writing that this is, I want to be transparent. Here's, here's the thing. And for with him, I built a long-term relationship because I want to be, uh, and that's the kind of relationships I'm looking for right now. Internally, we call it lifers. I'm looking for lifetime friendship and lifetime relationships. I don't, I'm not looking for one-off JVs anymore where I am in my life, but it's totally okay to do a one-off JV. Right. And, He's a lifer. And we just, we've, the, the question that I ask right now, 
when I do it. Like with him, it's a business relationship. And it's gonna, it could really, this one relationship could be a seven-figure joint venture uh, for us. And the question I ask, do I want to go that deep, is would I like to go on vacation with this person? <laughs> it's, it's like the, if the answer is, oh, he and I just hit it off so much, we're like already on vacation. And so if the answer is yes, I'd love to go on vacation with this person. That means I don't have to think about, man, what, when, will we, when will this TV end? <laughs> well, and, and it's interesting that you touched on that because before you were mentioning how you met and at the party, at the Christmas party, you didn't even talk about business. And I know that you are the JB King, uh, but I also know that you're the king of relationships. Um, I've seen it and I've experienced it myself, um, how you just become a really good friend and you're that kind of person. So if you were to talk about relationships a little um, so that our audience can learn a little bit about what it takes to be a good relationship builder, I guess. That would be the question. I, I will, um, I do a whole talk just on that because it is an art, but it is also, I can bring it down to a science because and not science in the, in the science measurement type, but in terms of what you need to do. And if I have to tell you just one thing, and I'm almost afraid to share with you because they, they might miss the whole point because if they say, I know, I know is the killer of learning. And so I tell people always that, look, the key, the key to building relationship is first when you meet, ask yourself, how can I add value? Become a giver first. And if you, one of the best books that I can recommend for life is a book called Go Giver. Not Go Getter. The, <laughs> the convention, it's a spinoff of that word. We are all just, hey, he's such a go-getter. She's such a go-getter. No, become a go-giver. Become a go-giver and watch how fast your life will turn around. Mm -hmm. And when I'm telling that I'm the joint venture king, it's this real estate turnkey business that I'm the mission of 10,000 helping families. It came about also, it started as a joint venture and then now morphed into ownership, morphed into partnership, true partnership. Because it's one of my students, one of my mentor students, he started the company five years ago. He went through my program and I wanted to do what he uh, was doing. I was doing it, but not as successfully as he has built. And he came to me last year and said, hey, look, I built it this far. And my expertise, my passion is on the sales and marketing and, and also recruiting people into the mission. I'm, I am good at it. I'm passionate about it. He is extremely good at the back end. And I suck at the back end. So, <laughs> so he's done it. So now we started as a joint venture. He came to Salt Lake City and wanted to, um, wanted my help. So what I did, I created an event, had 50 people come to an event 
and made him the speaker. So he spoke and there was so much momentum generated from that one event that he did that he came literally for one week, Sabrina, in about uh, October, um, or maybe when he hasn't left and he left Florida and moved here. Wow, that's amazing. Really, just so it's all happened organically. Mm-hmm. And, and so the relationship it, is the key. And I met him in 2012, and he's from Argentina, is the most incredible human being. And then, guess what? We're going on a vacation together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so even, even when you take vac- vacations from work, you're as business partners, you're still hanging out. That's a great sign of a of an amazing relationship and a great joint venture, for sure. Exactly. So that you're asking yourself that, hey, would I like to go on vacation with this person? Because that's just ultimate. I mean, that you really want to hang with this person. And, and he, he's, oh, he, they can't wait to go to Bangladesh. I can't wait to go to Argentina. <laughs> that's awesome. So since we're talking about an example of a, a success, JV partnership, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what are the pitfalls to avoid? Um, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, over the years that you could share with us that would perhaps prevent someone from making the same mistakes? Is that don't waste your time in terms of if you have the wrong, the, the mismatch, that the that's a first pitfall is don't try to do joint venture with everyone. Just like, you know, the 341 joint venture, they say, I want to do a joint venture with you. But then when you get to them, if my ideal tribe is this, find out, do they have that tribe? If they don't have that tribe, you're not going to have the kind of success that you have. And then that word is also going to spread one of, because at the end of the day, you're, they're giving you an opportunity. Let's say that I'm giving you stage time. I'm going on or I'm going on someone else's stage. And they could have offered that stage time. It takes incredible amount of time, effort, resources to put people in the room. So if I go stand up and I don't close anyone, that means they didn't make any money. There's a wrong crowd for my product or service. And now he or she's thinking that, man, I'm not going to invite him to my event. Why should I invite him? He just wasted my time. And that's not the bad part. Okay. But what will happen is when I want to go to someone else's stage and they will ask, whose stages have you been on? I said, I've been on so-and-so stage. And they're going to call him. Or this person is going to say, hey, so-and-so was on your stage. How did they do? And the new person that I'm talking to may have the perfect audience for me. And I know I can do really well. The other person, the there was a mismatch and we did not close. I've given hypothetical examples. So that's the first thing. Second pitfall is not putting a written memorandum or even full joint venture agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you, the when 
The reason I put down the memorandum of understanding, who's going to handle the money, what's your responsibility, what are you going to do? This is what you've agreed to do. This is what I have agreed to do. Bullet point, one, two, three, four. And discuss it. And then say, anytime we want to change it, we just get on the phone and said, look, this is what we said. I don't have the time to do this anymore, or I don't have the resources to do that anymore. I want to see if you're willing to help me mm-hmm. renegotiate this. Yeah. So this is the clarity. Number two and number three is the the money aspect. Where I see some of the joint ventures gone bad is the person who collected the money got into financial, you know, had this whatever reason, and this delayed and delayed and delayed as money hasn't paid. So agree in advance who's going to collect the money and when will the money get paid and how is the money going to be in, uh, mixed up or is it going to, uh, do I have to worry about uh, getting paid? Yes. So you can do sometimes if you have that down, how I avoid it is look, typically if I go to your event, then typically is you collect the money. So I can just say, look, let me collect the money and I will pay you. So then I am, I have control. If you, it's not, you cannot do that all the time, but you can uh, do the negotiation of that the money will come through my merchant account and then I will pay you within seven days, immediately, 30 days. Some of the, some of the uh, payments will be 30 days late because you have a 30 day money back guarantee. So when the, you don't pay, uh, until that warrant, if you get any refunds. But with my people, that because of the relationship, if I, if I have the 30-day money-back guarantee, and if I sold you know, 10, I would pay right now with the understanding that, listen, if I get a refund for one, I'm going to ask you for uh, charge, you know, basically give the money back to the, let's say we sold for $1,000 and they asked for the money back. Okay, great. I'll pay you. Payment of five hundred, and you pay him five hundred, or I'll just pay him back five thousand dollars and ask you that. Hey, this guy asked for the money back, and he'll just pay me back five hundred. And you answered my next question, which was how to minimize risk. So it's it's awesome when you know when you interview someone and they they go ahead and answer the questions like that. So it it really makes our life easier and fun. (laughs) So um, so I wanted to ask you also, um, what are Basically, the ways that you could maybe ask for referrals um, as far as like once you've done a JV deal that has been successful and uh, and you know you could leverage some of those contacts, what is the best approach for asking for referrals? I'm telling you, the best is go make money for the other person. Go make money for the other person. They will... Come on, just like you were mentioning that, man, first of all, you weren't even expecting that money. It's, it's, it's found money. I did it uh, in a 90-minute webinar with a friend of mine, and it literally I sold 30 of my uh, program for $2,000 each. So that's $60,000. And he got $30,000 for a 30-minute webinar. So when he makes $30,000, I didn't have to ask for referrals. <laughs> he, he just called. Who else would like to 
uh, Roger has a product and that's selling like hotcakes. <laughs> I sold this and you got to, what is your next event? You got to have Roger. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, Sabrina, I'm, I'm speaking. I spoke at this event. Um, and I told you that I started back in 1999. It's my first home I bought and from real estate. And then, of course, I was a for-profit Olympian. My partner owned over 500 houses and all of these things. And with 2008 crash, I lost portfolio and I got out of real estate because I just got so burned out and was working for a decade in 2010. And then 2013 or 14, I got back into real estate. How I got back is I was doing an event in, I was speaking in Vegas on mastermind and business development which is my other passion. And there was a guy who saw me at that and he said, Roger, what are you doing here? He was he owned a real estate group in South Florida and says, hey, I need a speaker uh, next month. Will you come and speak? I said, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I said, I don't do real estate anymore. He looked at me and said, listen, you've, you've probably forgot more about real estate than most people will ever know. Please, I need a speaker. My speaker backed up. Please, I, you're, I know you're in Tampa. You can just come down. Please help me. So I went there. Long story short, I spoke at his event. When I went there, he goes, so what are you going to sell? I said, I thought you said just to speak. I don't have anything to sell anymore. He goes, no, no, no. How am I going to make money? <laughs> so I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a create, just to create a one-day one day seminar. And I had, like, there were 100 people, like 62 people signed up for the one-day event. And he said, oh, my God, I've never had anybody close this high in my event. He picked up the phone and he had 100 people. He called the largest RIA group in Ohio that has like 800 in their event to 1,200 people. And they have speakers booked like two years in advance. But because she's a friend of him and he just picked up the phone and said, I know you probably don't know this guy. Have him speak at your event. Period. That's how I and went. And that's the power of relationships. I mean, yes. it's amazing. Because he did it, but he would not have. He said, how do I get referrals? So I went and spoke because I produced results for this guy. And that's why I was at the biggest state. And I became, if not, I was a footnote on the starting point when, when, when the events this time. Because I went there with kind of the tail between my legs. I'm, I'm the unknown. I'm there. And I went to the promoter. I said, I have one goal that probably uh, others don't. I said, I literally told her that one of my things is I want you to, when people attend my session, I want them to come and thank you for having me at this event, for adding value to them. And she goes, oh, you're, so then find out that I'm Tony Robbins guy. So yeah, you have to do not only a real estate deal, but also a motivational uh, talk. I said, anything to serve you. By the end, I was the highest seller out of 18 national. I think it was the second highest, but they wouldn't tell me who, how much the highest was, but I, I sold highest. And for the next year, my full uh, picture and my buy was on their homepage. They were now promoting me as the draw for the next year. Wow. Wow. And you know, and we started this conversation, Roger, talking about how did it come about, right? For you to become the JV King. 
And, and, you know, and as we approach the end of it with, um, which is like, I know we could talk for hours, uh, but unfortunately I want to be respectful of your time. And, um, and so as we approach the end, I want to close with this because what I hear throughout this entire conversation is just a surrender, um, to life, I guess, to life's surprises right like and a lot of times i hear also being pleasantly surprised not even knowing um that this person was going to come and bring you to this opportunity um and and if you were to look at this what we're talking about right now about being pleasantly surprised how is it what makes it for people to have more of that happen in their lives what is it that we have to become in order to be more pleasantly surprised and attract the right people and the right kind of opportunity that begins to unfold and lead us into living what your mission talks about, which is a fulfilling and happier life? Purpose-driven. I have three parts to my mission. It's a purpose-driven, f- fulfilling, and happy life. I've carefully chosen those words. And first of all, let me end with since we talked about JV, then I'm going to answer your question is that my last word on JV is this, that the best joint ventures, the best joint ventures that I've seen are best based on building the relationship first, joint venture second. Mm-hmm. And the second, the best joint ventures are those where each party feels they got the better end of the deal. Meaning that I, when I, Look at, you said unexpected, what a miracle, what a Christmas gift. I went to Irvine and met this guy, and now I'm going to be speaking at all of his events. And I'm thinking that, oh my God, he will allow me to come and speak at all of his events. He's got a licensed opportunity selling like hotcakes. He's got, he'll have at least a two dozen speaking opportunities for me. I said, oh my God, it's such a great thing. He's thinking, oh my God. I don't have to do anything. Roger's going to do all the work and I'm going to make all this passive residual income. So when each party feels they got the better end of the deal, that's the best joint ventures. And if you want, basically in a way, what I hear you're asking your second and last question is that all these pleasant surprises, in a way I call those like the, the mini miracles in your life. Because it is a miracle. And going to a party, Christmas party, that I wasn't planning on going, he wasn't planning on going, we both experienced a miracle. And first of all, as a matter, as a matter of fact, he uh, he's, he's a book publisher also. He's writing a, a compilation book called The Miracle Book. And all these top, top, top people on, on this healthcare professional are on the book. And he put me, invited me to be on the book with all these uh, luminaries. So it was such a privilege. So the first thing about miracle is the quote I absolutely love from Einstein. He said, I'm just slightly paraphrasing. There's two ways to live your life as if everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. I choose to, I walk down the street and look at the, the little things that wow, but it's miraculous. And if you want that same thing, you asked another question, the mindset, it is the mindset of that everything is a miracle. 
Second is I ask people that how many would you like to have miracles in your life? And of course, everybody raises their hand. I said, do you want to know the best way to, to have miracles happen to you? And they go, no. I said, do this. Go create miracles. Go be a miracle in other people's lives. Mm, I love it. Love and, it. And I'll give you a simple example of how I do that, uh, Sabrina, that you and I are fortunate that me being from a third world country and have seen beggars or panhandlers is every, it's every it's a fact of life over there. But here it's not. But from time to time, when you see somebody in the street side corner holding a placard, hey, hungry, we'll work for food, give or say they're holding the hand up and you're at a station and are just come out of the office building and somebody's asking for change their money. Literally, they ask me, do you have change? Or that thing, and people give them change or give them a dollar. Be a miracle. Give them a $10, give them a $20 and watch their reaction. They were asking for love, some loose change. And when you give them a 20, and I, I, I just, I love those opportunities. I just take out a 20 and give it to them. And they look at me, this guy said, I'm so sorry, sir. I don't have any change. <laughs> Here's a $20 bill. And, you know, and, and you're bringing me to, to um, a situation because I grew up in Brazil, you know, and I grew up experiencing that too. And, well, and a lot of people, yeah, and a lot of people, the argument that, um, you know, you shouldn't give them money because they're going to go and buy drugs with the money or whatever it is. So my question to you is, should we be focusing on that? Are, are people focusing on the wrong things? Yes. And they're so, actually questioning what they're going to do with that money, right? So bringing that, it's, this is the thing. What you're doing is judgment. Sabrina, you have no idea what it took, what path they took, what life that took to put themselves on the street corner. Do you know how much humiliating, what they have to do to, just to be able to out there? If I lost everything, do you think I can be on the street corner? I may just think of ending myself before I do that. So if I finally had the courage to go that ask for help, I have no idea. It's not your position. You give for yourself, not for them. Yeah. I just, I, when he said change, I said, no, brother, keep it. And he, this guy looked at me, he goes, thank you, brother. Now I can buy food and, and my medicine. <laughs> yeah, and, I love that. And I only thing I, when they ask, I said, brother, just pray for me. Thank I believe you. in prayers and I ask, just nothing, just pray for me. And, you know, and I have a funny story about this because I remember when I was about uh, 18 years old and I was in the car in the traffic light with my brother and, um, and my brother was driving the car and this, this gentleman approached him asking for money. Right. And my brother proceeded to tell him, dude, you know, I have no money. You see this car? It's my dad's car. Like I'm broke and broke. And my brother started complaining, you know, and talking about all this. And I kid you not this. Homeless guy took all of the little money that he had accumulated during that morning and just threw it in the car for my brother. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I would I, I would have never imagined that you would have done this, you know. And I just came on and thought like, wow, you know, not all homeless people are the same, right? I, I, I can tell you stories after stories. This gave me just one thing that things have happened and, and, and not just for me. The other other things, you want to create miracles. You want to create miracles. I have another podcast literally in five minutes and I'm going to share with you a, a miracle that you think that, forget about the homeless. I'm in Beverly Hills doing a speaking. So I go to a restaurant and and this, you know how sometimes you have, you have this lovely young server. She is so um, effervescent, vivacious and, and, and serving with so much joy. You can just, and just just out of thanks at the end and you had to go to the like the cashier to pay for it it was a cafe type um, and give her a hundred dollars and and tip just keep it i'm just so incredible she started crying i'm like oh my god what did i do <laughs> that's not the reaction i was hoping for and and then she goes he just looked at me goes sir i was a hundred dollars short of rent and my roommates were going to kick me out. I had no idea how I was going to make that up. And I just chose, okay, if I just focus on that, I'm going to be giving poor service and miserable. So I said, you know what? Heck with it. If they, I'll deal with it later. I'm just going to be my best self. I mean, this is Beverly Hills we're talking about. You think that everybody has money and, and everything else. And just $100 brought in a miracle for her life. Yeah, I love it. And, and just, and then she, she started crying. And it, it, she just like, tell the story that she wasn't expecting that. And you just created a miracle in her life. So why should a miracle happen in your life? I love that so much. Love Roger, it. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you whenever you're here in Florida. Yes. Let me know. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. To join our free Facebook group and access the links and resources mentioned in the shows and much more, go to www.sabrina-gagnon.com. That is G-A-G-N-O-N. You will become a member of a private Facebook group dedicated to providing the best practices skills, and strategies to grow your business. And remember, we all have natural advantages that comes from our instinctive power. You are perfectly created to accomplish so much. Let's challenge the status quo and create a business and life you love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.